0: The Other Side at Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you had a nice weekend. we got a great show coming your way for the next four hours. You're going to enjoy it. I think you will anyway. There was one story I saw in the New York Post over the weekend where there was a person quoted, person interviewed in the article, where I actually read the story and then slammed my fist on my table because I happened to be reading the paper at the table. And I said, yeah, that is absolutely... absolutely... Absolutely right. And it had to do with an interview that Caroline Hirsch from Caroline's Comedy Club did with the New York Post. And she goes on this, I'll call it a rant, but I think she's exactly right, about the stench of marijuana on every corner. She said, quote, I have to tell you that it's not only here, but the smell of pot is on every GD corner. I was walking around Manhattan yesterday in the middle of the day. I get off the Staten Island Ferry, walk downtown a little bit, and boom, you're immediately hit in the face with this smell of marijuana. I've never smoked marijuana, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. If you want to smoke it, I don't care. And uh, I don't think people should be arrested for using it or anything like that. However, the smell is just so offensive. I just don't know how we got to a place where it's illegal to smoke a cigarette or a cigar just about anywhere, beaches, parks, you name it. Pretty soon, they say even Atlantic City casinos may be banning cigarettes and cigars. But for some reason, when you walk around the streets of New York City, it's just fine. And by the way, this is the case on the Atlantic City boardwalk as well. And I noticed this when we were in Las Vegas, Nevada last year as well. The smell of marijuana is Everywhere And look, I realize people have voted to decriminalize marijuana. People seem to be accepting marijuana as a legal substance. I get it. Fine. Not trying to change that. I do wonder, though, if there's something that can be done so that for those of us that don't like the smell of marijuana on the streets, we don't have to walk around and feel like we're being run over by a skunk. I'm all for civil liberties. I'm all for people doing whatever they want. I'm pretty libertarian in that sense. But when your civil liberties offend my sensibilities, then you're infringing on my quality of life. And I do just wish there was something that could be done about it. I'm sure there is, but uh, as many in this audience will tell you, I'm just not smart enough to think of it. Perhaps you can. And uh, you will you can email me. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com That's Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side at Midnight Local Spotlight Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Well, tomorrow is Election Day, and it looks like there is a very good chance that the once unthinkable might occur. We could see the Republicans elect a governor of New York State for the first time in 20 years. It'll be the first statewide election of any sort that the Republicans have won in New York State in 20 years, and it looks like the Republicans are also poised to flip a whole bunch of Democratic state Senate seats. It looks like they're going to flip a whole bunch of Republican congressional seats. We could see more Republican members of Congress than we have in this state in decades, which is really amazing. And New York Democrats realize this. Edward Isaac Doverey has an article for CNN.com, headline, New York Democrats are bracing for stunning Election Day losses, and they already have a fall guy. This is from the article from CNN. CNN.com. Democratic officials and strategists in New York tell CNN they are bracing for what could be stunning losses in the governor's race and in contests for as many as four U.S. House seats largely in the suburbs. Listen to this. With crime dominating the headlines and the airwaves, multiple Democrats watching these races closely are pointing to New York City Mayor Eric Adams, accusing him of overhyping the issue and playing into right-wing Narratives in ways that may have helped set the party up for disaster on Tuesday. I don't want to sound like I'm repeating everything I said about Andrew Cuomo last week, but someone needs to send every single Democratic strategist that subscribes to that manner of thinking a mirror. What? You're blaming Eric Adams for talking about crime for the reason Democrats are going to lose? How about the fact that people are frightened? People are scared. People are worried about being pushed onto the subway tracks. People can't walk to work without tripping over homeless people. How about you blame Eric Adams for not doing anything to fix the crime problem in New York City? You're blaming Eric Adams for focusing on crime too much? You talk about no self-awareness. Kathy Hochul has just run one of the worst gubernatorial campaigns in history, and she has been plagued by one pay-to-play scandal after another. She refuses to take a position on anything. She agreed to minimal debates in both the primary and and the general election. It's difficult for me to see a scenario, by the way, in which if Tom Suozzi were the dom- Democratic nominee, he wouldn't be doing a whole lot better than Kathy Hochul is now. How about you blame Kathy Hochul? Blame Eric Adams for not fixing the crime problem. Blame the Speaker of the State Assembly, Carl Hasty, for pushing through bail reform. But to blame Eric Adams for talking about crime, that's just out of touch with reality. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 WNC. Local spotlight. As I've stated many times before, I am very proud that we have such a wide audience of people listening to us behind bars. And one of the things come Election Day that nobody ever talks about is that most people in New York City jails are eligible to vote. But that doesn't mean it's easy for them to register or to cast their absentee ballots. That's where a lot of volunteers come in, and there was a great article on this in the Marshall Project by Alexandra Ariaga. And this report- Reporter followed around these volunteers as they tried to get these people who have not yet been convicted of any crimes, their pre-jail detainees, registered to vote. Because most people in New York City jails are there pre-trial or they haven't yet been convicted of a felony, they're still eligible to vote. But having rights doesn't mean that everyone knows about them. And a lot of the detained people who know they can register and cast their ballot, they often lack the means to participate. Correction officials say they hand out educational flyers and signs throughout out their facilities and put voter materials in law libraries and other centralized locations. But it's this group of volunteers that really deserves a lot of credit. They're mostly from a citywide coalition of activists trying to secure election access for incarcerated people. They manage to visit about one facility a month. They usually go to jails in the Rikers complex, some are pushing for the board of elections to actually establish a polling site on Rikers Island. Another challenge to voter engagement in jails is that people in custody have very limited access to information. How they going to know anything about their state assemblyman or their state senator. They can't use the internet. And even if the single TV in some reading room plays the news, dozens of men would need to crowd around to watch it. Some of the men that the reporter for this Marshall Project talked to were frustrated by the obstacles to voting. One who had been incarcerated for five months says he registered in time for the primaries but never received an absentee ballot. And there's a whole lot of that that goes on. The bottom line, though, is if you have not been convicted of a felony and you're sitting in jail right now. You can vote in tomorrow's election. Tell the folks at the law library, tell your counselor, tell the COs that you want an application for an absentee ballot if you haven't gotten one yet. Today's going to be the last day that you can get that. There is this huge constituency of people incarcerated who have the right to vote and aren't exercising their right to vote. If you're one of those people that's incarcerated and not voting right now, I got news for you. The only way these conditions are ever going to change is if you start voting. If you have questions about this, email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side at Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't even think of touching that radio dial. What I try to do on this program, that is, be accurate. Unfortunately, when you're on the air for four hours a day... Sometimes your mouth moves faster than your brain. So there are a couple of misstatements that I made on Friday and one very large misstatement that our friend Kenneth here made on Friday that I just want to correct for the purposes of accuracy so the record is clear. One, apparently, I I don't remember saying this, but sure enough, I listened to the tape and I said it. Apparently, I said on Friday that Bob Feller, the Hall of Fame pitcher, was... Left-handed, Bob Feller was absolutely not left-handed. And uh, he was a Hall of Famer and probably, I don't even know that you could say probably, he was the greatest right-handed pitcher in baseball history. And he is someone, as I said, that gave up four prime years of his pitching career in order to fight in World War II. And that was service he was very proud of. So I did not mean to make Bob Feller into a southpaw, My apologies. Additionally, I did say that I was going to be more tired today than usual because I was losing an hour of sleep. That, of course, makes no sense because in the fall, we set the clocks back. In the spring, we set them ahead. So I gained an hour this week, and I have to tell you, I actually feel great. I love this, and I hope we can keep these clocks on standard time forever. Death to daylight saving time, death to daylight saving time. Additionally, I realize that um, this is something that Kenneth should really be correcting, but Kenneth does the sports, and I was one of the people that said I thought it would be a good idea to to give Kenneth this opportunity. Well, uh, apparently on Friday, he said that the Devils lost 3-1. to That was not true. They had actually won 4-3. to I have to mention this because if someone, not only did a lot of listeners reach out to me about this, but if someone had a bet on that game and the first score you heard was the incorrect one that Kenneth gave and that would have affected your financial prospects you'd be pretty ticked off. So on behalf of Kenneth and the WABC sports team, we regret the error, and thank you for keeping us on our toes. Beam me up! To be Continued.